Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Joanne Wilson. stop. (laughs) Hallelujah. How many of you know that God is good? Come on, praise him like you know that. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Won't you stay standing with me as I pray and maybe you want to raise your hand up or hands up in honor to the most high God who deserves all of our praise all the time. Father God, I lift you up, Lord Jesus. We lift up your holy name, Lord. You are worthy. You are everything, Lord Jesus. And on this Palm Sunday, may we remember that this was the beginning of a series of events, Lord, that will lead to the cross, God. God, thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you made for us, Lord, because you loved us, Lord, and you still do, God. God, I pray that your word will go forth, Lord, with power, Lord, and conviction, God. God, I pray that I may lie down as you rise up, Lord, because this is about you. God, I pray that your word brings revelation and most importantly, transformation. That we do not leave here the same way that we came, God. God, I thank you and I declare that your word will not return void. And that minds and hearts will change and bend to the power that it has. God, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and let God's people say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Y'all could be seated. Hallelujah. Well, happy Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. My name is Joanne Wilson. Well, he kind of already told you, but I'm Joanne Wilson. (laughs) And um, I'm so, so blessed to be able to um, share with you what the Lord has spoken to my heart about today's uh, passage and everything that we're going to learn today. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Let's go. We got to be ready and expectant for God to speak to our hearts. Amen? Amen. See, it's a different, it hits differently when you go in knowing that God has something for you. So I want you to lean in and I want you to really listen to God as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and mind with the word today. We're going to start with um, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And this is Palm Sunday, this is the story of Palm Sunday, as Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Everyone say donkey. And on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and, and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees to spread them on the road. That would be the palms, right? The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, oh, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then we're going to skip down to Luke 19, 39 through 43. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, if you even you, had only known this day and what, would, what it would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. My, 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 right? Well, Palm Sunday, um, Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday, and it ends with Easter Sunday, as we know. And during this one week, many biblical prophecies came to pass. We saw a lot of things being fulfilled during this time. Jesus came to the earth to save humanity, as we know, by dying on the cross on Good Friday and resurrecting on Easter. And by enduring this deafening death, this defeating death sacrificially for us, what he did was he swung open the gates of heaven for us all, making a way for our sin to not hold us down and it allowed us to have God's presence in our life. Although Palm Sunday reminds us of the triumphant entry of our Lord and Savior, and it kicks off, it kicks off the Easter narrative, we can't forget that it's also the beginning of his journey towards the, Christ, the cross. And this whole story also reminds us of the fickle nature of people and of life itself, right? Many churches celebrate Palm Sunday with the waving of the palm branches, singing hymns and making crosses. You remember that? Making crosses out of palm fronds and all of that. But it is, it's in essence, it's the first step towards his death. And that's quite sobering to think about, right? But I believe that, yes, Palm Sunday, um, yes, it's so full of interesting moments and where Jesus, he, he defied expectations. People expected him to come in a certain way and he defied all expectations. Um, but I think what's really powerful is that he shows deliberately how provocative he could be. 
Recognizing that side of Jesus helps us to understand why, as shown in later events, that he attracted both deep devotion and also deep hatred, didn't he? He shifted and challenged the status quo. He changed the power structures. And a lot of people, especially those in power, didn't like that. And it made, him very, it made them very nervous. And I think that we can glean so much from this story of Palm Sunday. Um, I think that one of the greatest things is that everything that Jesus does is, does is with intention. It's, and it's to teach us, not just for the time, but for all time. Because he lives in not just the past, but in the present and in the future. He has this per perspective of all of that. So everything that he does speaks to the next thing. Amen? And so in this passage, we can learn how to manage ourselves as we are close to our purpose. As Jesus gets closer and closer to the cross, we see a series of events happening around him and in him that can give us a demonstration. It's where Jesus demonstrates to us what it looks like to be totally submitted to divine purpose. Which brings me to the title of this message, which is Closer to My Dreams. In this series, we've been talking about close encounters with Jesus. And um, up until this point, it's really been about close encounters with individuals, kind of one-on-one -on -one encounters. But I want to shift uh, our, our thinking about this a little bit. We're going to shake it up a little bit. This is going to be about our close encounter to our purpose. And in this case, Jesus is close to the crowd. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, that's a representation of the crowd. That's all of us, you and me. And it, of that time, that was all the people within Jerusalem. Jesus' Palm Sunday experience helps us to see what it looks like to be close to our purpose. And when, and when you're close to your purpose, you got to remember some things. And this is what we learned from this story. So here are some things that we need to remember when we're close to purpose. Y'all ready? Use what you have. Untie your cult. Matthew 21.1, let's, let's go back to that. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie, say untie. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. By riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, we read that Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy. The one where I read earlier, um, Zechariah 9.9, or maybe I didn't read that, so I'm going to read it now. <laughs> Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foul of a donkey. A king would have normally ridden on a horse, right? Uh, a majestic horse. Um, but that would symbolize in that time that he was ready to go to war. But Jesus rides on a donkey because he is communicating that he is the humble and the prince of peace, the king of peace. 
And so this is, a, a sim, this is symbolic to Jerusalem, and it's also uh, uh, counter what they would have expected because they were expecting the war-raging king to come. But here he is defying expectations, coming in on a donkey to symbolize his humble nature and that he was the prince of peace. Donkeys are common work animals, as we know, and um, they are a symbol of humility. Jesus was very, very intentional on using such a humble animal for such an extraordinary moment. And that's just like Jesus, isn't it? When, when we think of a king, the last thing that we would use to describe him, right, would ever be, it would never be humble, right? It would never be, you know, that meek and, and, and just calm. He, he would be very boastful. Um, but we know that Jesus was exactly that. He came in, he came in, in a, on a manger. He came in as a baby, and now he came in on a donkey. He's always chosen the humble route because there's more power in humility. I believe that Jesus used the donkey to connect with the common people. His choice of a donkey instead of a horse was God's way of saying that he came as a king who would serve the everyday person, the oppressed, the one nobody's really paying attention to or, 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 or honors, right? But everybody, he came for everybody. I cannot help but wonder, though, as we read, we read that, that you know, and it's a different account in all of the, the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where some say that it was just a donkey, and some say that it was a donkey and um, the colt. So in this case, we're reading Matthew, where Matthew was more of a detailed person. And so as he recounts the story, you'll see that it, all throughout the books, he really paid attention to all the details. And in this um, account, we read earlier that, um, you know, he, the donkey and her colt were brought to Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, well, why? I couldn't help but, you know, wonder why it was two. Why did he need two? And I believe that as I started to go through um, all types of commentaries, I found this by Lapid that says, Christ rode the first donkey up and down the mountain and then transferred and rode the colt into the city. That's the practical reason for this. The mother would be stronger and could withstand the terrain, but then the cult would be ridden because it'd be easier for the cult to get him into the city. But in another commentary, we read that Christ our Lord rode both of them to symbolize that he, that, that he was coming not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And I love that because since the beginning, he made his attention known. Since the beginning, he said, you are worthy, you are mine, and I died for all of you. Amen? But I love where Jesus says, untie them and bring them to me. You know, I, 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 as I think about, you know, all of this and, and just think about what it must have felt like for the people that, we're keeping the donkey, right? The ones that had to untie the donkey and allow the disciples to take them away. I can't help but think, man, I wonder what they were thinking. Like, why us? You know, why did, why did Jesus, why does Jesus want this cult or my cult, right? And as I was thinking about that, I thought of my own story and how, man, I was acting a whole fool when I lived in New York. Like, 
all up in the streets acting like I didn't know, I didn't know any better, right? To say the least. And, um, and I just, you know, I just went so far off the deep end. And I used to act like Jesus couldn't see me when I was doing what I was doing. But he was right there like, mm, I can see you. Don't think that just because you're doing things in secret that can't nobody see you, right? And so I was just like crazy. And so, of course, when um, Pastor Terrence, he was living down here already, and he, you know, we started talking. We were already dating for years and years, and I, after college, I went up there, and that's when I was acting a fool, right? And, um, and it came time for us to get married. So he had done all the proposals and all that good stuff. And I just remember packing up all my stuff and, you know, just knowing that it was time, like when it was time to go, that it was really time for me to just untie myself from all the things that I was living and doing. And, and I was just like, wow. As, as I drove away from the city, I just felt like I was driving to purpose. My God. And then fast forward to when we started this church. You know, pastor's telling me that, oh, we're going we're gonna to start a church. And I'm like, what? Like, is this really happening? Like, and, and then I remembered that time when I was leaving New York. Like, wow, how everything leads to purpose. And I remember thinking, man, God, why me? Why me? Why would you choose somebody that was so crazy, acting crazy, acting like she didn't know who you were? Why me? Why would you choose somebody that can't speak, barely knows the word? I had faith, like, but I, sometimes I acted like I didn't know it, right? And I just kept saying, man, and even now, you know, um, I mean, I have an art degree. I, I studied art and design. And so I'm like, well, what does somebody that, you know, has an art and design degree have to do with a church, right? And so this is me, especially as we were starting this church. And I just remember one of my mentors who I love so much, who was actually the wife of Bishop Courtney Bath, who came here last week, love him and love her. She looked at me and she was like, well, why not you? Why not you? Doesn't it, doesn't it just, don't you always see that God is always using the most unexpected and most seemingly insignificant things to bring revelation and to bring him glory? Remember how he uses a little boy, right, to feed the multitudes. His little Lunchable, he uses that Lunchable to feed the multitude. It seems so small and insignificant. It doesn't seem like enough, but to God, it's enough. It's more than enough. He used the widow who, give, who gave those two small coins in the temple, right? He used that to show us the importance of the heart and how if we're going to give, we got to give sacrificially from the heart. She gave more in those two coins than a whole room full of rich people that tried to show off with their gifts. He, he was impressed by that woman with those two small coins. He used, he, he always talks about faith, right? The size of what a mustard seed to show you that that's all you need to be able to move mountains. See, God appreciates and, and God always uses the small things to make a big point, right? Why not you? Why not you? Amen? 1 Corinthians 1 through 126 tells us, brothers and sisters, think of 
what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's not man who qualified or validated me. It's God who called me, therefore he qualified me. Why not me? But it was my job to untie my cult. My cult in this case were my gifts, my talents, my willingness, my resources, my voice. You gotta untie that cult so that God can utilize him. You have to allow God to use everything that you have for his glory. And what I love so much is that the owners of the cult did not resist. They didn't have the, the um, advantage of knowing what would happen. They didn't know that this would be the beginning of not just their salvation, but the world's salvation. We see that now, but they didn't know. So imagine they were willing and to let that cult go and that, yes, became the beginning of the world change that we all needed. I want to free you from the burden of starting. Your willingness of, to untie your gifts and talents can impact the world. The things that God has placed in your hand, the things that he's given you, they were not meant for your glory. They're meant for his glory. But we have to untie them. Maybe you have something that you're um, journeying towards and you don't fully understand how you're going to do it. You don't fully understand what it is and you can't really see the big picture and you're just not sure. Um, but we can't let that stop us because that's okay. It's okay if you can't see the end right now. Your job is to untie your cult and watch God do the rest. Amen? Some of us need to get out of our heads. Some of us just overthink things too much. And if we're honest, sometimes we overthink because we don't, we don't know how or why God would want to use us. We know our past. We know where we've come from. We know our limitations. And we think that, well, why, how could God use us, right? Some of us are also scared of failing. But God believe the word for us today is don't worry. Just go. Because God will use everything for his glory. Even failure. Nothing is wasted in God's kingdom. Amen? Maybe you're scared because you don't think that you can do it by yourself. And you know what? I want to clarify this for you. You can't. You can't do it by yourself. Oh, yeah. You're like, whoa, 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 Pastor, you're supposed to say I can do all things, right? But guess what? It's through Christ. You aren't supposed to do it by yourself. You got to do it with God. So don't worry if you don't have it all figured out. Untie that cult. Untie your gifts, your talents, your resources, and allow God to use you in a more powerful way than you could ever imagine. Amen? Because at the end of the day, it's not you who's going to boast before him, but he's going to get that glory. Amen? 
God can use anyone with a willing heart. Allow him to use you and what you have in your hand to do what he's called you to do. The word for you is don't waste that gift. Don't waste that gift. You share in the victory when you allow God to use you. Untie the cult. Stop holding back and use that gift. The second thing we can remember as we're close to our purpose. We're talking about purpose here. Y'all with me? The second one is don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground. I'm reading from verse 8. Spread their cloaks on the ground while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him hit the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from, Na from Nazareth in Galilee. See, the people's cries of Hosanna came from Psalm 118, 25 through 26. Hosanna means save now. Save now. Despite what Jesus had foretold them about his mission, the people were still looking for a military Messiah who would overthrow the Romans and restore in Israel's independence. But Jesus was fighting a far greater adversary. He was fighting Satan for your soul, for all of our soul. This battle would have a longer and a bigger impact than any Roman government. He was on mission, and his mission was bigger than their cries for save now for this warrior king that would release them from the grips of the Roman Empire. See, the, the applause of the crowd could have filled him up um, with pride and distracted him from his mission, right? Their thoughts of what, he, what they thought he should do could have distracted him, right? But Jesus shows us that he always stayed focused on purpose. I believe Jesus' entry on the donkey also shows us a strategy that we can use and that we should remember as we are, um, as we are getting praise and adoration from crowds. Jesus knew the power of pride and how it could derail us from purpose. And what he shows us is that he had a plan and a strategy in place to win against the battle of pride. And I believe that that's a hint for us to always have a strategy in place in the midst of pride because, you know, the, the applause is great, and sometimes we feel like we had something to do with it, right? And we start getting full of ourselves and full on ourselves, and we think like, okay, I did that. And, you know, that's cool and all that, but we're, 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 we're treading on that thin line of pride. And so this donkey not only fulfills a prophecy, but I believe that it gives us a strategy, a strategic direction for how we can combat pride. Because pride can be combated with, um, of course, accountability partners, recognizing the red flags, right? And creating safe spaces and safe words for us in the midst of applause. Um, I love this story I heard once that 
there was a woman and she was telling this story and um, basically every time somebody would give her a compliment, so oh, girl, your hair is the bomb, them edges laid, all that kind of stuff, right? And it could be things like, oh my God, you're so great or thank you for this. All, every time she received a compliment, she would symbolically take the flowers and put, her in the put it in her pocket. And just all day long as people were praising her in different ways, big and small, you know, the bouquet was getting bigger and bigger in her pocket. And when she got home, she took the bouquet out and presented them to Jesus as a sacrifice. And that was a way for her to not absorb all of those, all of the praise for herself, but a way to redirect that praise to the one who deserves it all. Amen? You got to have a strategy against pride. What is your strategy going to be? Maybe your accountability group or partner, somebody that you trust can be like, yo, you tripping right now, right? And you have to allow them. We said it last week with Bishop. He said, you have to have somebody that is allowed to tell you about yourself when you tripping, right? I believe that's a safeguard and a strategy against pride as well. If you're not careful, the crowd can distract you and make you abandon your purpose. In your purpose, people will try to tell you what to do or how to do it, don't they? Oh, do it this way. Do it that way. It would be better if you added this into the collection. I'm in fashion, so I hear a lot of that, right? And next thing you know, you're doing everything for people instead of purpose. Follow Jesus, not the crowd. You got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let Jesus direct your plans and order your steps. He gave you the dream in the first place. He gave you the purpose, the calling. Let him lead you. Amen? Crowds are fickle. Switch from one thing to the other. One minute they're praising you, the next minute they're cursing you. You know where we see that a lot? In sports games. Oh, everybody be on your side, you know, shouting and screaming for the win, you know, when, when the player's doing what they want when they're winning. But what, as soon as they mess up, that same crowd is booing them, right? Crowds are fickle. The crowd have a sh has a short memory, doesn't it? And we see this in this story where the crowd praises him as he enters into Jerusalem. But that same crowd is the same one that, that shouts, crucify him. Those same people, you over here shucking and jiving on TikTok, they ain't gonna do nothing for you when, when, when things get real, right? I ain't hating, I mean, tick and talk all you want, but, but you putting all that energy into that, but when things get real, when your kids are acting crazy, when you get that crazy doctor's report, when your spouse is cheating on you and you just found out, when you just lost your job, where's the crowd then? Where's the like and follow then? All that energy we place in on, on this ticking and talking. <laughs> I just want to say that because it's funny. It's like, are we serious? Some of us get so wrapped up in people pleasing that we forget our purpose, man. When you're close to purpose, the crowd will try and tell you who you are, but you have to know who you are. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in, in Galilee. 
See, when you're walking in purpose, suddenly everybody wants to know who you are and they got an answer. They always got an answer for who you are. And if you're not careful, you can let the crowd's opinion of you define you. You got to know who you are and you better know who Jesus is. I'm mad they called him just a prophet, like that's all he was. I'm like, excuse me? We're talking about Jesus. This is, this is God in flesh. This is the one who gave everything to sacrifice his life for your salvation. A prophet? Oh, that's cute. But I know who Jesus is. He is the Alpha and Omega, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Amen? He is the champion. He is the savior of all. A prophet? That doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of who he is. But you see, the crowd just wanted to give him that little label because that's all, that's all they thought he was. And if you're not careful, you'll believe all the labels the, cloud, the cr uh, crowds will place on you. Oh, she's just that girl that was acting crazy in the streets. Oh, she was the one dancing in that clubs. She was the one that was snorting and shooting lines and all kinds of stuff. Like, I saw that. I know who that person is. But you have to always know who you are because God calls you beautiful, fearfully, and wonderfully made. God calls you a son or a daughter of his. You were worth Jesus to God. You are who he says you are, not who the crowd says, who, who they say you are. Come on. You are his. You are his dream. You are his purpose. Amen? Don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. As we, as we are in and live our life, we also have to be careful of the rabble rousers. See, the rabble rousers, I talked about that about months ago, but let me refresh your memory. A rabble rouser is a person who stirs up the passions and prejudices of, of, of the public. It's usually for his or her own interest. The rabbles or the rabblers, um, has always hid amongst the crowd and the people of Jesus. We see um, shortly after moving out from Mount Sinai, the rabble began to cause trouble by murmuring and complaining. The rabble were people who lived on the fringes of the camp of the, of the Jews. They were often not true Israelites or um, of mixed descent. They followed God's people but they didn't really have a relationship with God. Um, they, they experienced the miracles and deliverance, but they weren't really believers. When the manna got old, the wilderness got hot, and the journey got long and tiring, these rabble-rousers began to cause trouble. They began craving the food of Egypt, and soon the people of God started complaining with them. Numbers 11, 4, 6 recounts this exactly. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if we only had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leek, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this miracle. See, the rabble will have you complaining about the miracle you once prayed for. See, the rabble tries to hide amongst all of us.
to try and make us forget what God has done in our lives. You gotta silence the rabble because you know your God. You know what God has done for you. Don't let the rabble trying to tell you what to think, do, and how to respond to God's glory, amen? amen. Crowds are dumb. <laughs> that wasn't very nice. I know because we see it all the time, right? The other day, I'm watching the news and I, and I see um, there was this whole report at some airport and all these people were running, like they was taken off at the airport. And um, apparently a sign had fallen, but somebody thought it was a gunshot and started running and everybody started running with them. And most of them probably didn't even know what they were running for and had no idea because you know, you know how it is. You run first and you ask later, right? I know I've done it before. And the newscaster, the, the journalist is like asking people, okay, well, what, what were you running from? And most of them were like, I have no idea. I was just running because I saw everybody else running. It got so bad that some people got trampled on. Trampled on. And they didn't even know why. Isn't that crazy? Crowds are, crowds are dumb. When you're close to your purpose, you can't follow the crowd because crowds run. Crowds trample. Crowds just do what everyone else is doing. There's nothing unique in the crowd. Everyone looks and acts the same. You see, what I'm trying to say is that your purpose is unique to you. Everybody can't go where God is taking you. You're going to have to untie yourself from things of your past. You're going to have to break some habits in order for you to move towards your purpose. Amen? Amen? You might have to get uncomfortable and leave those people behind. Because I, I, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable to, to, to leave that crowd behind because it's comfortable to sit in the crowd and, and not have to, you know, be accountable for anything, right? It's comfortable to hide in the crowd, but we can't let the crowd trample our purpose. Follow Jesus, not the crowd. You got to stand out in the crowd. If you aren't close to God in relationship, in your word, and regularly communicating with him on your own, aka prayer, it's going to be very hard for you not to be shifted and swayed by the crowd. You got to get close to Jesus if you're going to get farther away from the influence of the crowd. Amen? Amen? Doubt and unbelief are contagious. And that's part of the big problem of being amongst the crowd is that that doubt and belief that they feel in themselves because they don't know Jesus will begin to become your confession in your life. God's people, the true sons and daughters of Abraham, caught the disease from the rabble carriers and harassed Moses and, and second-guessed God from day one. That crowd was never happy. Never happy. Don't allow the crowd to influence your decision and what you know is true. Follow Jesus, not the crowd. Amen? See, the rabble love to hide in the crowd. It's easy to hide in the crowd. See, the Pharisees were in the crowd. Luke 19, 39, 43. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. My God. Which brings me to the third thing we should remember is give him the glory. Never stop praising. 
Amen? It's funny how the Pharisees, first of all, Pharisees, but they can't see, just saying. <laughs> they show disrespect and dishonor um, to Jesus by, by calling him teacher. Oh, teacher. But yet, they, they, they say teacher as if that's an honorable title, but then in the same breath, they tell him what to do. Silence your disciples. Isn't that something? They contradict themselves all the time. The haters will try to silence you, but you don't give them permission to do that. You go praise your God at every chance that you get, amen? I give him glory every chance that I get because he deserves this. Everything that I have, everything that I've triumphed over, I am not the same person that I once won, and God deserves the glory for that, amen? Don't let the rocks cry out in your place. Colossians 1.16 tells us, all creation was made for God's glory. Everything in creation declares his praise. Amen? If the band would come up, that would be great. It's funny because we talk about giving him praise, and, you know, we're good on Sundays, but from in between the Sundays, it gets a little harder to praise him, right? We have to save face, and we have to uh, be politically correct and all of that, right? I remember um, I recently got asked to speak to a big group of girls at a high school, and it's funny, the topic was how you marched on in the midst of conflict and hardship in your life. And I just um, remember preparing for uh, that talk, um, and I had such a hard time because I'm thinking about, you know, all that God has done for me, and I'm thinking about the fact that I'm doing this in a public place. And, you know, in American society, you don't bring up God in a public space, especially not a public school. And so I had a hard time trying to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to tell them my story without mentioning God? Because it's only by the grace of God that I was able to march on. And so I was stuck. And I remember um, I'm sitting there. It, you know, as the event is going on and other speakers are speaking, I still have nothing, you know, written. I have no plan. And the Holy Spirit is like, um, listen, you're going to keep, you're going to praise God no matter where you are. And as soon as I grabbed that mic and opened my mouth, it was like, Jesus, 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 God, 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 God. Like, I mean, and it was like, it is what it is. How could I ever tell my story and remove God from the narrative. It's not possible because it is by the grace of God that I am here. Don't let the rocks cry out in your place. Wherever you are, you praise his name because you're not there from, from your own work, but you're there by the grace and glory of the most high God who put you there. What I've learned throughout the years is it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what space I'm in. God will always get the glory, and because of that, he will be the one that promotes me in Jesus' name. I don't work for the company. I work for him. I represent him. I work hard because of him. I have answers because he has all the answers. Y'all better stop fretting on God and give him the glory that he deserves. Because if you don't give him his glory, the rocks will cry out. And oh man, may we never allow the rocks to do our job because we were put here to glorify and honor him. Don't you let the rocks cry out in your place. 
What did Jesus mean by the rocks will cry out? I think we can look back to another reference at the beginning of the Bible where Cain had taken the life of his brother Abel. The Lord declares to Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What was Abel's blood crying out? We see that it was testifying and bearing witness to what Cain had done. The truth will always come to light. And I believe that in this time, the rocks, what Jesus is saying, the rocks will bear witness to his power if we don't. He was saying to the Pharisees, oh, the rocks going to tell the truth. The rocks are going to witness for me. You, don't have, you can't silence this. The Gospel of Matthew mentions that an earthquake coincided with the crucifixion. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the rocks crying out to me. Come on. The Pharisees can never silence the praise. Jesus is going to get his praise no matter what. The rocks will, bear testif will testify and bear witness to his power. Amen? Luke 19, 41, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, even you, if you, even you had only known that on this day, what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. As he got closer to the cross, his purpose for our salvation, he wept because he knew that not everybody would get it. He knew that, the end, that in the end, some believers would not see like the Pharisees could not see. I believe that he even wept for some of those Pharisees. I mean, he did. We know he did. Imagine the deep sorrow and the disappointment that he had for those that just didn't get it and for the ones that still don't. I want us to consider that as we bow our heads right now. Jesus... His dream is you, and he wants to get close to you. And his dream is that none of us should perish. He died for all of us, and when he got closer to his dream, he didn't turn away because you were his purpose, and that means everything to him. No matter how bad you think you are or how far you think you've gone, Jesus loves you and died for you. That's the truth. He doesn't want to condemn you. He actually wants to bring you home and wrap you in his loving arms. And all he asks for in return is for you to accept that love. That's his dream. That's his dream. The first step in that 
is to say yes to him. To say yes to his love by reciprocating that love. Would you show your gratitude to him and, and to say yes? Because the Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he died for our sins, then you will be saved. It's already done. It's just going to require you to untie yourselves from your past, from your sin, from the things you're guilty of. Untie the cult. But right now, that cult is you. And you got to untie yourselves from the things that have held you back and the things that have told you that you are not enough or that God could never use you. But I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Right now, I'm going to ask that if you, if you would just say yes to Jesus, maybe you never have before and you're hearing all of this, and you're thinking, wow, yeah, I want that love. I want to reciprocate that love. I didn't realize all of this. And you want to make a declaration today that you accept his love and that you believe in your heart all that he did for you. I want you to slip up your hand right now. Don't be scared. We ain't got time to be scared. We have no time for doubt. We have no time to allow negative thoughts to hold us back, you slip up your hands. And I'd love it if everybody could stand together right now. A lot of you did raise your hand. Um, just so you know, you're not alone. A lot of people in this room, I know I have, I had to make that decision and say yes to Jesus and say yes to the love and I had to make that step and so I want to challenge you to do the next part and that is yes we're going to ask you to walk away from exactly where you are where you're standing to be right up here with me so that I can pray with you because you know what you have to walk away and untie yourselves from the place that you are to get to where God needs you to be. Amen? So no hesitation. Get your butts down here right now. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. A public declaration has to be made. Come on. There you go. Oh, wow. Hello. Huh? No, no, like down there, though, not up here. <laughs> but it's all right. I got you, brother. I was about to karate chop you. You better be careful. I'm from Brooklyn. I got hands. How you doing, girl? Sister. <laughs> I love it. Come on, come on. Listen, this is a judgment-free zone. Get your butt up here. Because we ain't got no time to hesitate. See, you are not promised tomorrow. This may be the last decision that you have. 
And I hate to sound morbid, but the truth is, is that today is a day of salvation. And you have to walk away from where you are to get to where God needs you to be. And this is the beginning, brother, sister. This is the beginning of the first day of your life walking with Christ. It's your birthday. It's your rebirthday. Isn't that cool? How many of y'all like birthday? I love a good birthday celebration. And so I'm going to pray with you. And if, my, if the prayer team would come and let's surround our brother and sister here. And I'm going to just ask one more time. If there's somebody in this audience, I feel like there's at least one more. Come on. There you go. Maybe you're a little nervous and you're having a hard time untying yourself from whatever it is that's holding you back. I want you to look to your left. Maybe, maybe if you're sitting next to somebody, say, if you're scared, I'll go with you because you don't have to do this alone. Remember, you don't have to walk it out alone. You got brothers and sisters in this place that will walk with you. And if that person um, nods to you or maybe they're crying or their palms are sweating, <laughs> go ahead and walk down with them. Grab them, grab them, grab them. Come on, no hesitation. Last call. All right, let's pray. Why don't you reach out your hands towards these brothers and sisters. Brother, he sees you. You hear me? He sees you. Everything that you thought you were not good enough for, God says you are more than enough. You are my son. He is who you are who he says you are. Amen? Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have said yes. They have made the decision today to accept your love, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as they go out into their world and into the homes and into their environments, Lord, that you may protect them, Lord, that they may remember, Lord, this day, Lord, that they may remember that you are with them, God. They are not alone. God, give them the strength to withstand temptation, Lord. Let them not hold on to the guilt of their past, God. But I pray, God, that they always remember that you love them no matter what. As long as they have a willing heart and they continue to say yes to you every day, a renewing of the mind every day, that you will be with them, God. And I want you guys that are here, lift up your hands. If you answered that, you lift up your hands as a gesture, right? And say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it. I let go of my past and I walk towards my future in you, God. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at that. And y'all could keep that same energy because here at Cool Church, we celebrate salvation. So if you look over there, it says, welcome to the family. And all it is, if you would follow that sign and we'll go with you, nothing weird is going to happen. All that's going to happen is that our team is going to pray with you. 
and try to explain to you, okay, maybe what are in the next step? How do I live this life, right? Maybe you have questions, they're there to answer you because you know what? It doesn't make sense to make such a decision and just not know what to do next, right? And so if you would not mind, as we celebrate you and you walk towards this new future, I want you just to follow them and they'll take you there. Thank you. This is a miracle, y'all. But hey, you know we can't leave here without the second call. My second call is for the believers who have yet to untie their cult, who have yet to untie their gifts and their, their resources, their talents. Maybe you feel like you've been too scared to move forward with an idea that God placed on your heart. Maybe you feel like you don't know where you can fit in in the church. Listen, your gifts and talents that, were, that I've been talking about this whole time, it's not just about using them in the church. It's about using it in his world as well. But all of it is to, re to reflect and to give him his glory. Amen? So why don't you come over here? Just leave your seat. I ain't even going to ask for a raise hand. If you've been scared to untie your cult, your gifts, your talents, the things that you have in your heart, I'm going to pray that you release them in Jesus' name. I'm going to rebuke the spirit of, uh, of hesitation and fear of starting and the feeling of lack. You don't need money for an idea. You just need God. God will provide the resource. If you've been holding back because you're just not sure that you can do it on your own, once again, you can't do it on your own. But with God, you can do everything. Amen? So I want you to lift up your hands as a sign of surrender. You're saying, you know what, God? And make sure, let's have your hands open as a sign of release that you have untied your cult, that you will untie the things that are in your heart, that you will untie your gifts, your talents, your, your ideas, and you will give them and present them to God as an offering saying, you know what? Use me, God. Use me. I'm scared, but I'm going to let you use everything that I have because I know you can do so much more with what I have than I can do by myself. Amen? Father God, I pray over all of my brothers and sisters, God, as they stand here, Lord Jesus, I pray that they may remember that you, that they are who you say they are that they are capable, that they are your sons and daughters, that you have given them all the resource that they need to be able to do what you've called them to do. I pray against the spirit of fear, of doubt, of hesitation. We release the burden of, oh, I don't know how I'm going to start this. God, in Jesus' name, I say, go, go. God, give them the green light right now. I pray that they know they have the green light to go and do it because you are with them, God. I pray that you get the glory and that they may not focus on the applause of the crowd, but that they may always keep their eyes on you, God. Everything that they do 
in and outside of their church, Lord, may be used for your glory because ultimately that's all that matters, God. The applause of one, the applause that you give them, God. And I pray that one day they will hear those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. God, I pray that starting today, they will never allow doubt, hesitation, walls to stop them. That the Holy Spirit may give them the boldness, the courage, the confidence to go. Because they're not going in their own name, they're going in yours, in Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this place. I pray that you protect them, guide them, and let them know, God, that they are loved. And you created them out of the love that you have for them, Lord. Bless them, prosper them. May they experience uncommon favor because they are your sons and daughter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.